Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to another episode of our Triune Pod. How you doing, Ben? All right, buddy. Hanging in there. Jake being gone. Burnout starting to come. How about you? For real. Bro, I'm okay. Our church is doing VBS. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. I think the episode is going to come out tomorrow. Our uh, we our church is doing our VB our version of VBS this week. It's called it's a creation care camp. It's a very cool concept, to be honest. But um we're doing it all outside because our church doesn't have a building, right? We work out of a house. So the VBS, it's all outside and it is already like a hundred degrees here. So from eight to noon every day this week, it's me, a bunch of other volunteers, 40 kids in like 90 degree weather outside. It's brutal. Is there just like a whole lot of water? Like, what are you guys doing? Uh, no, there's not a lot of water. Uh, the, the best thing, man, this is like, I just, my kids are just so fun and hanging out with kids is such a blast. So, you know, we spend months, I didn't really spend a month. Our children's director spent a month, like months planning curriculum and activities to reinforce the Bible lessons. Right. Uh, it's all about creation care, you know, caring for God's creation, being a good steward, all that stuff. Uh, so we have all these activities. And at one point we're let's like trying to kill 10 minutes, you know, is what you do. We have a bunch of kids and there were a bunch of empty Amazon boxes from all stuff we had delivered for the camp. So I was like, Hey kids, like let's have a box jumping contest. So basically all the kids lined up and just took turns trying to jump over different heights of boxes corresponding to their age. And of course that was the kids like favorite activity. You know, it was like, they just like, it was, another, it was like, a, it was, it was great. Man. So, uh, so the VBS, we call it creative arts camp because New Yorkers don't like VBS language, but it's so different than where I was in Pittsburgh and what it sounds like you're saying. It's, it really is just creative arts. There's no sports. There's no like, games we play it's all like drawing and creating these little nice sets etc and i i don't know i mean all these kids seem to like it but i was definitely in the let's do all things wild crazy and sporty so yeah not yeah i mean i i think it's a blast um the kids like it it fits our ethos well but anyway man um weren't we going to talk about some some, some golden age cinema that's yeah, right I've, I've been i've been texting you some some recommendations i know you you and some friends of yours have been watching some good movies what's what's been jumping out from some of my recommendations so uh nick believes that the golden age of cinema was the 1970s noir or thrillers and uh so i watched a few and correct me if i'm wrong three days at the condor of the condor three days of the condor which is with robert redford and which is Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the whole thing, worth watching. A little bit of a problematic uh, love affair for 21st century standards. But, but bro, the, there's not a the better looking... There's not a better looking individual than Robert Redford in Three Days of the... It's, it's the most handsome man I've ever seen. It's incredible. And then what... So I watched one that you haven't watched. That you need to watch Clute with a, a young, beautiful, smart Jane Fonda and Donald. How do you spell that? K-L-U-T? K-L... U-T-E. U-T-E. Phenomenal. And then, yeah, tell me about Blowout. You oh, Roy Schneider. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's cool. That's tonight for you. 
<laughs> they very well might be. Um, I know NBA playoffs, man. I got a lot, a lot of television in front of me. Um, yeah, no, but Blowout is a Brian De Palma movie. It was after Carrie, so he had a lot of clout, and he wasted all of the capital that he had uh, so hard you know, acquired on this thriller. It's kind of a movie about making movies, which typically I don't like, but um it has a lot of like lefty cynicism in it and it's just a very very cool concept ah um people who are actually like cinephiles know all this stuff i'm just a poser but there's a very famous black uh, movie from like i think the 50s or the 60s that's an italian movie that's about photography and but the conceit of this movie is john travolta as an audio engineer for like low budget horror movies and while recording sounds for like to dub into horror movies he witnesses and records a assassination of a presidential candidate and then it come, becomes this crazy um one of the things actually i was you know i listen to a lot of movie podcasts and they were they were talking about uh writers of the lost ark and one of the things they said when's the last time you saw writers of the lost ark a while <laughs> been a long time yeah yeah so there's um you and it's hard to distinguish them if you haven't seen them in a while but there's a that, that like the bad nazi guy is kind of like Tot, I think he's like, remember his hand gets burned. Uh Um, And it's just a no name actor. And one of the things is the, one of the podcasters was saying, which I thought was interesting is in the seventies and the eighties, that most directors, big budget studio directors didn't want to spend a lot of money and didn't get big name actors to be the villains. And part of that is because big actors didn't want to be villains. It was perceived to be bad for their career. What makes blowout such a great movie is that John Lithgow is the villain and he's Mm. incredible. And it adds a lot of like, emotional intelligence to the movie to like could you feel it more because he's such a guy do anyway no one's totally. listening to this totally. who cares no but friends i have a college. theory for those of you who've been listening to us for a while you know about my love of all things 60s music and now you're aware of nick Miski's 70s cinema just absolute adoration and i think that it's i have a theory although this conversation has made me doubt it but i wonder if it's one and the same there's a little bit of a nostalgic element uh, there's a, a little bit of uh, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty and there was uncertainty in these 70s films and in obviously 60s culture. But we we make it out. It's like our love for like Cold War movies, why we have two sure. Cold War movies come out every year, because there's drama, but there's not too much because, you know, that we win. And right now we're not sure if we're going to win. So we need to go back. That's my working theory. That said, let's say the, the only thing I have to say to you is you you think not getting caught in a lie is the same as telling the truth. And only my three doors of the condor heads will know what I'm talking about. So watch All right. Three doors of the condor. Three days to do it. Okay. So the collect is what's the collect been? Proper. It is. Let me get this right. Proper seven. And uh proper seven. Yeah. So Nick, why don't so you- I know you have some some cool stuff to say, but let me profound, just pray profound it thoughts here at the outset. Oh Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, right off the bat, that first line is so great. Make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. I am so prone not to love God. I love, uh, I, I, supposedly, some... Like maybe Jonathan Edwards said this, but I didn't find it before this podcast. But there's this uh, line about our waywardness or our, our desire to have love toward things secondary to God as um, pursuing lovers less wild. Uh, and I love that kind of imagery that, um, you know, we pray here, Lord, I need your help to stay in love with you so that I won't pursue the less wild 
lovers. And I, I love that kind of that phrase or that 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 word for idolatry or or going it our own way or just you know pursuing things that aren't ultimate. Lord, keep me in your love. Keep me from pursuing these less wild lovers because you are the most wild. You are the mm. one who will make us whole. Um, yeah. You anything before I move on? You anything strike to you about that? Um, about loving wild. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean the the phrase that um, I think is in, maybe. Are you going to talk about reverence and what that entails? Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? I'll, I'll jump off you. Go for it. Well, I mean. <laughs> interesting to say i just think that um i think language around fear is is interesting and salient in 21st century conversation like in our world because i think a lot of people would kind of recoil at the fear of the lord or reverence for god's holy name being a good thing but that language is all over the bible and it's like all over the prayer book right and so what does it mean to have a healthy respect for the jealousy of god a healthy awareness of god's jealousy for us, God's, you know, wild love for us and what that produces in us as, you know, maybe term term something like reverence or the fear of God. Um, I mean, I don't, there's like 40 places in the Psalms where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's an important concept, but it's not something that I don't think we're that like, it's not, it's very, it's very easy for us to talk about the peace of God or God saying fear, not that just resonates with our kind of therapeutic worldview, but the Lord Fearing the Lord and the good things that come into our lives from having an appropriate fear of God. It's not as intuitive, I don't think. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is another one of those, like, so, you know, I guess like theological orthodoxy is that God does not have passions the way that we do. God is simple. So when we read about God being angry or jealous, these are kind of ways of anthropomorphizing uh, God. Um but I think as Fleming Rutledge and others suggest, it's like, well, like you, you, you kind of have to go further than that. You have to kind of lean into God being angry at times, God being jealous at times. And, and just like what I said, like uh, what those theologians bring up, like if we have the notion of God as this like wild lover and us pursuing less wild lovers, and because he's such a wild lover, he's you know jealous for us, um, like kind of jealous for our attention. And of course, like you can't take that too far, but the, the image really is there for, um, like, yeah, this, this friendship that we have with God is a real friendship. Uh, this is a real love. This isn't just, uh, I think sometimes when we think of, you know, the passionlessness of God, we think of, well, like, you know, God's not really relatable. Like God is some like platonic ideal, uh, whereas the scriptures just don't talk about God that way. So I think, you know, we got to hold these two things together and, and, and that kind of wild love and reverence and jealousy all really kind of is helpful for understanding our relationship to God and God's relationship to us. I think. Yeah, man. No, that's really good. Um, I, yeah, I mean, reverence. Yeah. And it's not the same exact thing as the jealousy of God, but that is, yeah, I mean that is that is exactly what it is. Um that is that I'm sorry, I'm not being very articulate here, but uh yeah, I think that's it's it's hard for us to in 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 our human relationships. Oftentimes when in our human relationships when love becomes mixed with anger, it becomes hate. And I think that's why the word jealous has a lot of negative connotations because you love someone 
and then they disappoint you or they do something that is hard for you or offensive to you or offensive to someone else. And so your love becomes mixed with anger and then it turns to hate. But that the Lord, uh, the Bible says very clearly, it's a jealous God. The Lord can be aroused to anger, but it, but that anger never ceases. That that isn't God. God can be angry. God can't be hateful, right? God's love can be aroused into anger, but it never be it never ceases to be love. And I think that's a very tricky thing for us to wrap our minds around, and 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 therefore for us to come into alignment with what the Bible teaches about the love of God. And I think in some ways, to me, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I think reverence is the human emotion that corresponds to the jealousy of God as an attribute, right? Recognizing God's jealousy produces a reverence or a respect for, um, for God, for God's commands and for the people and and the planet to treat them with a certain amount of respect and, and care. Yeah. I think that's what's really helpful about upholding a notion of the the Lordship of Christ Mm. or the Lordship Mm. of God. God is not one among many, uh, as much as I'd like to kind of say, you know, anything goes like, no, there is a, uh, we serve a King and a kingdom. And while that King, his property is always to have mercy, always moving towards us, even when we go it the other way. Nevertheless, there is a lordship there. There is, you know, <laughs> the divine right on over us. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we keep us in that perpetual love and that reverence. And whenever I think of reverence, I think of, you know, high church stuff, lots of bowing. And that, that could be part of it. But Yeah, I you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> No, that's actually not really my piety, but, but <laughs> it could be, it could be, but I mean, part of it is just like, yeah, like the Lord wants our good and it's good that God gets angry because that means that all that is coming against us, all that hurts us, God is opposed to like, God's not mm. like, it's okay. You know, God's not that great uncle in the sky. Who's like, well, whatever. No, God like hates what hurts his people. And so that's the good news of the jealousy of God to me. Yeah. Amen. Ooh, that sounds like a little book title. All right. Um, why don't you, let's go on to the actual request, Benton. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. So it seems like the request is actually at the beginning, kind of reversed the usual. Oh, yeah, Alex. you're right. I'm so sorry. So we pray I'm for sorry. perpetual love and reference. Uh, and then we're talking about God's character. God never fails to help and govern those whom you set upon the sure foundation of his loving kindness. So. Nick, what's uh nine, 99% of my prayers are help, right? So that one's, I'm going to skip that because you never fail to help us. All my prayers are that. What is the good news of the governance of God? What does it mean that you never fail to govern us? Why, why might that be good news? Oof. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Th- I'm that is, on the spot, folks. But. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the shore foundation of your loving kindness. Um, you know, the first place my mind goes is, um, and so I'm, well, I'm thinking here of, you know, in light of what I shared at the outset about VBS, uh, the way that parents do not always respect the, um, a, a child's tendency to hurt themselves, right? Like we have this kind of notion that free will is so like sacrosanct, but it's like, well, no one, you know, if you, pull someone away who's walking towards railroad tracks you're not like you violated my free will you know how dare you and that's kind of a dramatic sophomoric philosophical example but i i think of the way when i think of govern i think of the way that god is superintending my life and in ways that i am oftentimes oblivious to keeping me 
from danger or keeping me from things that would be hurtful or harmful. Um, and so by, by recognizing this truth and praying this truth in the colic, we're kind of teaching ourselves or we're, we're helping ourselves remember that, um, God is, goes behind before, um, to our sides above, below, whatever, you know, like <laughs> metaphorical, the imagery there, but just the notion that God, God's grace goes before us and um, God governs us in ways. I'm not exhausting the concept, but that is where my mind goes, how God like superintends our lives and keeps us safe. Yeah. I mean, I think even with the ask, right. We, uh, we, you know, we think of love as um, maybe we fall into love. We don't have as much agency as we think, but we're asking this God who never fails to govern us to keep us in love with him. Like that's part of his governance. Keep us in perpetual love with you because we know how prone we are again to these less wild lovers. Keep us revering you. Uh, keep us jealous for you just as you are for us. And uh, just like you said, yeah, if, if without the governance of God, <laughs> like uh, I am in real trouble. So yes, yeah, help me but also uh, govern me, keep me in love with you uh, because I, I'm just not that powerful. So shout out to, uh, actually, I think the where I heard that lovers was less wild phrase for the first time was a Derek Webb song back in the day, that Ooh. wedding dress song. Do you remember? So everybody listened to wedding dress. No idea. But again, yeah. that, um, that playlist that we talked about like two months ago is still on its way. Yeah. And do, do what I think about too. I mean, uh, this is going to be the, definition of self-referential, but um, there's a collect for guidance in the morning prayer service of the book of common prayer. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, I really have loved this prayer and I have a deep emotional connection to what I'm asking for. I might, it might have a hard time for me to describe it, but the prayer goes like this heavenly father in you, we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy spirit that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God governs us. Um, uh, and what that means is that we are ever walking in God's sight. He's going before us. He's superintending the details of our lives. He allows God hard things to be c- come into our lives, but he doesn't allow those hard things to overpower us. I don't know. It's yeah. It's okay. like toward the good life. I think ultimately yeah. toward wholeness. Absolutely. So, there we go. Well, friends, we're going to pray. And we're going to see you next week. Oh, Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. For you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. about that episode of our triune pod now that you've been prepped for praise won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review we promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast